Hello there, Mike Williams here with Genesis. Um, this podcast is going to be about what we call tectonic shifts. So if you will, let's step back a little bit and think about how um, tectonic shifts play out in a, in a both national and global economy. And first of all, what do we mean by tectonic shifts? Well, think of... Uh, Think of the tectonic plates of the Earth. Uh, we all know from our science class that these plates move. Uh, they move at such a slow pace, however, that we don't recognize them in our daily life. We go on every day, every year, not recognizing that the various underpinnings of the globe are shifting. We only know they're shifting when there's an earthquake and that movement snaps and those plates catch up with each other and the stress is relieved. Um, but, but how do we mean that from an uh, economic perspective? And, and, and how we refer to that is that we believe that tectonic shifts are taking place in our economy as well. They tend to, you know how good ideas work. Uh, a good idea first sounds uh, something like this. You've got to be kidding, Mike. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then slowly but surely as that good idea starts impacting real life, you hear something that sounds like, hey, Mike, uh, you know, you make a good point there. I can see how that could happen. And then slowly but surely it, uh, it goes a little bit more into reality. And then uh, you hear something like, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I think uh, I think we ought to pay attention to that. And then finally, everybody figures it out, and it becomes what? It becomes obvious. Well, that's how a tectonic shift unfolds. Uh, it un it starts behind the scenes. It starts making its impact known a little bit at a time. Uh, and let me give you an example of what we mean specifically by a tectonic shift, because. One has just finished making itself known in a much broader sense to all of us. And I'm speaking, of course, of the energy business. Um, first, I want to give you some data from the U.S. Energy uh, Agency. This is a release from them. I'm going to read a piece from it. Uh, for the year 2013, of course, we know that in 2014 and in 2015, we began the process of the uh, cost of crude oil making a significant shift downward. But here's what they said about 2013. Quote, last year, the petroleum-related trade deficit totaled $265 billion and accounted for 42% of our total trade deficit in goods. To put this in more personal terms, $265 billion averages out to about $850 for every woman, man, and child in the United States. In 2008, recall when oil prices hit their all-time high in the summer at 100, and, well, just short of $148 a barrel, the petroleum-related deficit totaled then $386 billion, or $1,260 for each person in the United States. That's a lot of money flowing out of the country for a commodity with a volatile price over which we have little control. Now, this is from the uh, U.S. Energy Agency. Now, in our notes, 
uh, back in uh, the summer of 2008, just as oil was hitting that 148-ish dollar a barrel price, and the press cycle was assuring us of our twilight, and it was all going to come crashing down upon us as $300 oil was on the way. I remember the video montages coming from uh, every news agency possible, primarily financial websites, and right around dinner time so that we all caught how bad it was going to be. Uh, we wrote a piece back then called Crude Crisis or Financial Terrorism. Uh, if you want a copy of that, let us know. I'd be happy to send it to you. But in it, we commented this. As much as everyone is now convinced we should be terrified of rising oil prices and the saber-rattling from the likes of Iran and Colombia now getting so much press, we think the end game is a bit different. In fact, our contrary thoughts go more in this direction. In the next decade, the U.S. will take this problem and find more oil here than you can imagine. The response will cause the dirty little secret about the Middle East, which few understand. What is that dirty little secret, you might ask? There are only two things in the Middle East, oil and sand. And we don't need sand. Hence, when we take the oil demand out of the equation, they will have little left of value coming from the United States. The saber-rattling will end badly, with a whimper, not a bang. Now, of course, we weren't trying to suggest we knew the future. We were trying to point out the tectonic shift that was underway. And strangely enough, that huge opportunity that has now unfolded upon us began in the middle of a significant problem. What was the significant problem? Well, $148 crude oil was the significant problem. Uh, there was a bit of a panic going on, but did it go higher is the question. In other words, was it more important to pay attention what was, to what was happening right then or what was going to happen next? So, what happened next? Well, in the broad scheme of things, one of the tectonic shifts began to unfold. Technology permitted drillers to begin to find oil in places they could never get to before. They knew the oil was there, it was just too expensive to find. Technology has changed that. We call it fracking, but lots of other technology has come along. Uh, oil drillers can do today something they only dreamed of. They can do many somethings that they only dreamed of five or ten years ago. And by the way, that technology is getting better, faster, and cheaper every single day that goes by. Once you unleash technology into a sector of the economy, it does not stop. Uh, it just continues to grow far more quickly than our minds can comprehend. Look how quickly we began to find record amounts of oil. We now produce as much oil as Saudi Arabia does every day. Now imagine if I'd have told you that back in 2008. Took us six or seven years to get there, but we're no longer talking about the end of the world thanks to oil. What we're now worried about is that oil's too cheap. So imagine, imagine that for a second. In 2008, we were impressed heavily upon the idea that we need to understand we can't afford expensive oil. And now we're getting told, hey, you need to understand cheap oil is bad. Well, our view of 
the, the bigger picture is this. It wasn't just about fracking. It was about lots of things coming to play, coming to bear against what has been a historical norm. Everybody needs crude oil. Well, we grew up with that for the last 40 or 50 years. I mean, the baby boomers think of crude oil as a required item. I would say to you, there's a generation behind us called Gen Y that thinks far differently about crude oil. They think a lot more about the uh, uh, ecological state of the world. Um, how do we know this? Well, we watched in 2008 and 9 as the economy hit its financial collapse and the world came to a screeching halt for a few months. We watched Detroit go bust. Now, what did Detroit do when they rebuilt themselves? They didn't rebuild based on what people were buying at the time. What they did is they retooled themselves to produce the cars of the future. And who is the future? The future is the next generation of buyers. Sure, baby boomers will continue to buy cars, but the growing portion of the population that will buy cars is what we call Gen Y. Generation Y is effectively the kids of the baby boom. First of all, there's more of them. For every one baby boomer, there's 1.22 Generation Y kids, meaning if we learned anything from the massive wealth built by watching the impact that generation, uh, excuse me, uh, the baby boom had on our economy back from the early 80s onward, then we're going to learn a lot more and be ready for a lot more opportunity for a generation like Gen Y because they're a quarter larger than the baby boom. Now, if you look at the data, you'll find, for example, this tectonic shift in energy that we're talking about is coming from several things. One, if you look at the uh, window stickers of the cars prior to the 08 collapse, and you look at the window stickers today, you're going to find that the mileage per gallon readings on average are well over two times what they were in 2008. By the time this decade ends, they're going to be almost three times, meaning we can do the same amount of moving around, we can have the same amount of mobility, and we're going to probably cut our gas demand in half just from that specific set of items just because of the remake of the cars that we buy. So the simple process of getting rid of all of our old cars, which we do every seven or eight to 10 years, depending on how much they lag, we kind of replace the automobiles of America every decade. So by the time we replace the decade of automobile growth with new buyers, Gen Y mentality, and better gas mileage readings, we're going to continue to eat away at the demand for gasoline. That's a long-term tectonic shift. We're also going to find that the technologies for competing energy sources, natural gas, hydrogen, uh, even fusion and new nuclear plant designs, uh, wind, solar, water generation, if we think of all those things, all of those sectors also have rapidly expanding technologies of their own. And what does technology do? Well, remember earlier we noted technology tends to bring down the cost of finding the asset in question 
or building the power source in question and therefore makes it more and more efficient as each day goes by. So what are the tectonic shifts in energy and why do we think this is not a, uh, an event that's going to end anytime soon? That's a big benefit for the United States, by the way. As a matter of fact, it's a big benefit for the entire globe unless you happen to be one of those countries that relied on expensive oil to have really outsized amounts of revenue flowing in. The entire world, in our opinion, is going to gain the benefit of a significantly reduced cost wave in the pricing of crude oil going forward. There are simply too many headwinds eating away at the demand. Doesn't mean things are going to go down, doesn't mean we're going to do any less. We've just learned how to use new tools and we're going to do it more efficiently. Be assured that solar power, solar power, my gosh, it's gotten so cheap it's ridiculous. I mean, look at solar power cell stocks. Uh, they've been crushed. It's because their technology is monumentally cheaper than when we first started seeing those solar farms. They've now got processes in place where they can build a solar farm that puts out enough power to power a quarter of a million homes. They can build it in less than a year. They can immediately have a buyer for it. They can sign a 20 or 30 year contract with a power company and shove that power, that power farm off into a REIT of some sort immediately financed and then they do it again and again and again. So when you think about crude oil, think about the tectonic shift we're referencing. And it's not just in crude oil that this is going to happen. You're going to see significant opportunities. Our biggest secular wave that we think is going to have uh, the most amount of impact on us for the next 30 years is Gen Y. They are the first generation on Earth that grew up with nothing but technology. By the time they get mid and high level management jobs in corporate America, we're going to operate at efficiency levels we can't even imagine at this point. So the idea of expanding profit margins is significant. Why? Because of the tectonic shift, the secular wave of the change that Gen Y will bring. And what will the baby boomers do? Well, look. Many people were fearful that baby boomers are going to hit 65 and on the next day they're going to retire. Well, if you look at the data, that's not actually happening. As a matter of fact, baby boomers have always done things different. They never went by the norm, if you will. And what baby boomers are doing today is they're starting new businesses on the web. They're building businesses out of their house. They're keeping their brains working. They're keeping their life going forward. They're not stopping. I know very few people who have stopped and gone to golf for the rest of their life. It's just not happening. Now, many people might say, well, they can't afford to. That's far from the truth. It's good press. It's good media. It sells a lot of good fear-driven campaigns, but it isn't factual. So our hope here is this podcast has helped to uh, spread a little light on what a tectonic shift is, and specifically about energy because we think benefits are still going to flow to us for many, many years to come. So we hope this has been of some benefit to you. We hope it shed a little light, maybe even added a little value to your portfolio. If you have any questions, feel free to let us know at info at genesisinvestor.com. Happy to answer any question you might have. Hope you have a good rest of your day, and thanks again for spending a few minutes with us.